Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to uh, spend some time tonight dealing with, let's go to Luke 4, dealing with uh, the opening of prison doors, but we also, we're, we're dealing with some issues concerning the local church. The Lord said to us some time ago that this house, this fellowship, these churches, were houses of healing and victory and miracles. Healing and victory and miracles. Hallelujah. And uh, the enemy, and we'll talk about this in depth, to scatter you, to scatter a person's life, he does everything he can do to move them away from the local church. Because every person has a company, a body, a group, a church, however you want to put it, that they're supposed to be involved with, that they're supposed to be connected to, all right? And for the enemy to get a foothold in a person's life, to scatter them, he's got to get them disconnected. Amen. Well, for the enemy to move a person away from healing, to move them away from victory, to move them away from miracles, he's got to move them away from the place that's happening. Amen. And in Luke chapter 4, notice what Jesus says. In uh, verse 18, hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus says that he's been sent to preach liberty to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hallelujah. Well, any form of dominion uh, that the enemy tries to produce in people's lives whether it's sickness or disease or whatever it may be, it's, it's a prison, it's a captivity of the enemy. And Jesus says that he's been set, sent to preach the good news of this deliverance. Amen? Hallelujah. And when, when, we, when we look at that and we see that, 
Let's go over to Isaiah 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound. The opening of prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. So again, Isaiah says, in even plainer terms, that the anointing is there to cause the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Amen. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. This is a familiar scripture to us, but notice they had been threatened, Peter and John had been threatened by the religious leaders of their day. And verse 23 says, being let go, they went to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. Acts 4. Right there, your own company. They went to their own company. Your own company or a local church. Your own group. It's not a denomination. It's where God has placed you. Amen. Pastor Michelle and I are very conscious of something. Because uh, when you're in the ministry, uh, there are any number of organizations, people that they want you hooked up with their group. For whatever reason, because everybody, and, and it's right, everybody believes their group's the best group. I mean, I don't know about you, but I believe this is the best church in Johnson County. It's what I believe. Now, there are people that go to other churches that disagree. That's fine. But here's the point. If you're here tonight, then you consider this your company. This is where God placed you. And so Pastor Michelle and I look at this over the years and we, and we always ask this question. Somebody will want us to get involved. Is that what we're supposed to be getting involved in? Is that where a supply is going to flow to us from? Because you come to church not just to come to church. You come to church because there's a supply that's flowing, that's meeting the need that you have in your life. Amen. And so it says that when they were in issues and having issues and having problems, that what they did, notice what it says. It says they went to, notice, their own company. Where they were supposed to be. Hallelujah. In Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> or chapter 3 actually, and verse 1, it says, If you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is and sits at the right hand of God. 
Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth. So we're to set our minds on things that Jesus loves. Well, Jesus loves the local church. The church is seated in heavenly places with Christ. Hallelujah. When you read in 1 Chronicles the account of David and, and we say his mighty men. But remember something. When those men came to David, the Bible says they were in debt, distressed, and discontented. And it says those, that was the group of men that joined themselves to David. In debt, in distress, and discontented. Hallelujah. But it's a picture of what God wants to do and, and see in the local church. When they came and they hooked themselves up to David, they hooked themselves up to the anointing. When you read on and, David's, and David is, is counting the money that was given to the house of God, there's a group of men there that gave $5 billion. It's that same group that was in debt, in distress, and discontented when they hooked themselves up with David. Amen. Very often when a person's facing a challenge, God doesn't just minister to them one-on-one at home. He sends them to a place. He sends them to a place to hook up to get their own company where the anointing's flowing. Where does the anointing flow at its heaviest? In the status of unity. And the Bible says that the anointing is its strongest in the body. It comes on the head, Jesus, and it flows down the body. Amen. So right now tonight, there's an anointing not just to heal you. There's an anointing present for whatever you need because you are hooked up to your own company in the place God told you to be. Amen. Do you see this? Hallelujah. The anointing on that place, on that pastor, causes that transformation. I'll say this. I've watched over the years. People will come to church and their marriage will be failing or they'll be having problems. And they will come and God doesn't start me ministering on marriage and how to have good relationships. He'll have us minister what we minister on all the time. This is how the Word works. This is how to work the Word. This is how to put the Word to work in your life. And whatever that broken place is, remember what Jesus said in Luke 4? That He was anointed to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up, right? All of those broken places in that person's life, they come and they hook up to the anointing and they hook up to the company God called them to be with and the anointing and the word and the power of God begins to operate in their lives and those broken places start getting healed because they're where God told them to be. Amen. Amen. What the enemy has tried to do in this season is separate people from their company so he can scatter their lives. Amen. And and when I say this season, 
I'm, I'm not just talking about a pandemic. I mean, this is, has been a spiritual season of the devil trying to disrupt unity. Why? Because in the unity, everywhere, read the New Testament, everywhere you see a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God, it was always in a place of unity. They were all in one accord. They were all together. They were all in one place. They were all of one mind and one accord. And it says the Holy Spirit came. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over and over again we see that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so in this season of social distancing, in this season of, of, of pushing people away, it's an attempt of the enemy to get at our unity. Amen. And, 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 and I don't have to explain to you that I'm not telling you to be foolish or, or that's not what I'm saying. But here's, here's the point. Understand what the enemy's trying to do. If he separates you from your company, he can scatter your life. Amen. Look, 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 look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, glory. Well, I don't know about you, but I've already preached me happy. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4.10. Now, this, again, is familiar, especially if you've come to any minister's etiquette classes. But it says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved the world, loved this present world, and departed in Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Now, there's a lot of things we could say about Demas, but here's the ultimate thing. Demas loved the things of the world more than he loved the things of God. Right? God has a company and a pastor that you're to be hooked up to. Do you understand that? Demas was to be hooked up to Paul. I don't know what happened to him. You never hear of him again in the Word. You heard of him before. You heard of him in the book of Colossians. Because he said, Demas, greet you. So Paul, he was a part of Paul's company. A part of Paul's team. But here, when the pressure's on, he forsakes. Can you show me that in the Amplified Bible, Brother Dave? Demas has deserted me. Because he loved this present world. Is that what it says? Well, think about that. So when a person is moved away or a person leaves or a person leaves where God placed them, I'm trying to say this nicely. They are deserting the place God put them. It's not a bad, they're not a bad person. But they're scattered now. You understand? I was uh, talking to somebody one time that had come to church and, and had left the church. And when I called them, when I called them, I could just hear in their voice, they're scattered. Not scatterbrained, scattered. <laughs> they're they're, they're scattered, right? There are people 
at the beginning of what's hit the world, they, they, they begin to, they, they, they separated themselves from the church or the company that God had put them in. And they've not been back since. Not just here, other churches. They, they've not been anywhere. They've not been to any church. What, what, is, what is that? They have been now been scattered. Amen. The Bible says that for certain things to happen in the believer's life, they have to be assembled with other believers. Right? Hebrews 10 says that if you want to be edified, if you want to be exhorted, the, the, the Greek word is prodded on or spurred on to good works. you got to be assembled together. Right? Hallelujah. When, 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 when a person's alone, wherever it may be, home or wherever they're at, they might, they, they might watch Christian TV or whatever. We, we thank God for all that. But here's the thing. No one can come up to you while you're watching on TV and say, come on, man, you can do this. No one can come up to you and say, God got a word for you. There's two doors you're about to walk into. Right? You can't, you can't get that if you're not with your company. And when you discern, according to 1 Corinthians 11, when you discern your part in the body of Christ, there are things that can flow to you. When you don't discern it, there are things that stop flowing. Amen. Do you see this? So God doesn't really join people to a church because He wants them to have a church. It's not just for fellowship. It's because that's where their pastor's at. It's because that's where their supply is. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Look at Matthew 9. The easiest place to get healed, the easiest place to get victory is your company. Hallelujah. Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted. They were tired and lay down and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Do you see that? Notice what belongs to the people who have no pastor. Without a pastor, sheep scatter. Sheep faint. Sheep grow weak. You are instructed in the Word to study, to build your faith through the Word of God, but you are not instructed to feed yourself. There's something that I need to be being fed. And that comes from that office that God's placed me under. Amen. I've had people say, well, you know, but I can read the word for myself. Well, that's fine. But there are things when you come and you hook up to a company, there are things that God will give that man or woman that he's placed over you that are specific to you. Right? And I'll come and I'll listen and I'll hear. Or I'll come and I'll sit under that gift 
and the Holy Spirit will start dealing with them. And in the middle of their message, they'll say, I don't know why I'm saying this, but this is, and they'll say something, and that'll be your answer. You couldn't get that just sitting on your own because there was no gift speaking it. People, I've heard, had people say, well, I can hear from God for myself. Well, of course, and you're supposed to hear from God for yourself. We're teaching you to hear from God for yourself. But when it's said in that manner, it's a prideful statement. I don't need anybody to speak into my life. I can hear from God for myself. That's a person that's playing right into the scattering tactic of the devil. Right? The person, oh glory, who has a pastor begins to gather the things of God. They gather their children. They gather their finances. They gather their relationships. Amen. I've seen it time and time again. Someone will come to church and they'll be on the bottom of the barrel financially. And they'll give the word six months and things will start changing. And they'll start coming up and coming up and coming up. Why? Because you get hooked up with your own company. You get under that anointing and you start gathering things. You're no longer scattered. You're gathering. Amen. Do you see that? Those who have a pastor are not tormented in their mind. They have peace. I said this morning, the devil is not going to take over. Right? And I'll tell you again, the devil is not going to take our nation over. And people say, why? Because to take our nation over, he'd have to take me over. He'd have to take you over. The devil has a really big problem when it comes to trying to do whatever he wants, and it's called the church. And we are on this earth. We are his worst nightmare. We are the roadblock to everything he wants to do, and he wants to do everything he can do to make sure that people are scattered from the church. When you refuse to be scattered, there's nothing he can do in your life. Hallelujah. And you do not have the spiritual energy to worry about who's going to be president. Let me go over here where they believe me. You don't have the spiritual energy to waste worrying about who's going to be president. Are you where God told you to be? Are you hooked up with your company? Is the word working for you? So if somebody gets in office that you didn't necessarily want to be in office, does it change what God's able to do for you? What's your job? Stay hooked. Amen. Look at uh, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I need to say that again. You do not have the spiritual energy to worry about what's going to be going on in the political arena. I was talking to somebody one day that I don't, I don't even know how spiritual they are. And they looked at me and basically said that. I don't have the energy to worry about it. 
Well, if somebody that's not even spiritually minded knows that, how much more should we know it? Stay hooked. Tell your neighbor, say, stay hooked. Jeremiah 23 and verse 3. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whether I've driven them and bring them to their folds and they will be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them that will feed them and they will fear no more or be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. Well, the fold is the local church. And notice that fruitfulness and increase belongs to a person that has a shepherd or has a pastor. He'll be fed, not spiritually malnourished. They won't be afraid. Why? Because I'm where God told me to be. I'm in the fold God told me to be a part of. Hallelujah. Matthew says that they won't be scattered. Well, the word scattered means to be chased by a predator. So the enemy won't be able to chase one that has a pastor. Why? Because there there is a wall. There is a barrier. Amen. This is important. Because I said this. I said this one night ministering in the the Little Rock location, and I made the statement. I said, you know, when you start calling somebody your pastor, then God's going to talk to them about you. And there was a lady sitting there, and she went, oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I had to reiterate, I didn't say telling on you. I said talking to them about you. Amen. Why? Because he wants you safe and not afraid. And he wants you increasing. Has anybody's life increased since you got where God told you to be? Right? Well, think about that. He gathered you where he wanted you to be. There are people sitting on the sound of my voice. You're still not really sure how you got here. Right? How'd I end up there? Kevin said he drove by our church for 13 years. Never even knew we were here. But one day he found us. Well, well, what was that? That was deep calling to deep. That was spiritual GPS saying there's somewhere God wants me. Right? And whether it was through the internet or just hearing about us or whatever it was, God said, that's where you need to be. That's the company you need to be a part of. And when you get there, I'll start gathering things into your life and all of these other stuff will... And and there are people sitting on the sound of my voice. Some of the most traumatic events in your life occurred after you were hooked up to your company, it would have devastated you before, but you got through it and God brought you out because you were hooked up to your company. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm not trying to drudge up old memories, but think how it would have been to go through it alone or without that anointing. 
and you would come to church with a burdened mind and a worried thought. And what are people going to think? And if people knew, and the enemy's hammering on you, if people knew what you were going through, boy, they wouldn't have any confidence in you. And then you come in here and you sit down, and your pastor says, ever what you're going through, God's not done with you. Your future is still bright. God's got a plan for you. God's got a, a, a ministry and an anointing for you. And right then you see the devil run. You see the clouds go away. The sun starts shining. Why? I'm where God told me to be. Oh, my Lord. Amen. Thank you. Ha, ha, ha. 1 Peter 5 and 8. You know this scripture, but he tells us something. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Well, right away, we need to understand, I'm in the may not category. He may not devour me. Why? Number one, I'm a believer. Number two, I'm where God told me to be. Amen. Amen. Say that out loud. Say, I'm where God told me to be. So I'm undevourable. Oh, glory. Amen. Do you, do you see this? 1 Thessalonians 3. Oh, glory. You know, I always endeavor to hear from God, but it's always really good to know you did. Hallelujah. And you know, that's what's so important about the vision and about having the vision. I was telling them in prayer meeting today that what we've always got to move away from is we have to have this understanding. And it's something that, that Pastor Michelle and I are talking about all the time. We are in Little Rock and here. We are one congregation in two locations. That's three. Two locations. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me something, Lord? Uh, two locations. Why, why is that important? Because that's the vision. That's what God has called you to. God has called you to a fellowship that has... One congregation in two locations. If you were to go to Little Rock for church next Sunday, you would not feel a different atmosphere than you feel here. It's the same. Why? It's the same anointing. It's the same place. You, right? You're home there. You're home here. Why, why is that important? Understand that's what my company has been called to. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 10. One of my favorite scriptures. Night and day, praying exceedingly. Notice this. That we might see your face. Why? And might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Can, can you show me that from the Amplified Bible? Because this is, this is so powerful. And we continue to pray, especially in most intense earnestness, night and day, that we might see you face to face and mend and make good whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. Now, what did Paul say? Notice how he said that. That we might see your face and mend, and, and the understood subject is we. Is that correct? That we may see you face to face 
and we may mend, and we may make good whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. What's the key? I need to be in your presence. I need to see you face to face. Why? I need to know exactly what you need to perfect your faith. And I got to see you to do that. Amen. It's not just about coming to church. See, understand something. You can preach church attendance and not have anything to give the people that attend. And you'll have faithful people that are getting nothing. Why do you preach church attendance? Because there's something here every time the doors are open that'll perfect what's lacking in your faith. Whether it's on Wednesday night through the venue we have to use Wednesday night or Sunday morning or Sunday night or even when one of the associate ministers are ministering, the anointing on the house doesn't change. The voice piece, the voice box that's speaking is not what's the issue. It's the anointing that's on the house. And the same anointing is there. And that anointing will cause that person that's hooked up to this body and faithful to say things that you need to hear. Even though they're not the senior pastor or the lead pastor, they're still hooked up. Amen. When Jesus saw the faces of the hungry in Mark 6... He was moved with compassion. That's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit moves. I've been ministering before, and I'd be preaching or teaching or whatever I was doing, and my, 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 my focus would get on someone, and God would start speaking to me about them. It's one of the ways the Holy Spirit moves. Amen. And I've had people come up to me and say, I'm so glad I came. I almost didn't come to church tonight. Well, what would have happened? They would have missed what was lacking. Amen. Hallelujah. When Samuel was sent to anoint David, the brothers passed by. He's there to anoint the king over Israel. And they bring in all the brothers. Eliab, Shammah, all of his brothers. And Samuel would, each one would come. And the Lord would say, hmm, not him. Boy, Eliab stood before him, tall, good looking. And Samuel went, hmm, surely this is the Lord's anointing. And the Lord said, no, that's not him. He said, because you're looking on the outside, I'm looking on the heart. Remember? And then he said, what? Do you have another son? He said, well, I got one more. He said, okay, go get him because we're not sitting down until he shows up. Right? And when David came in the door, Samuel stood up and said, oh, it's the Lord's anointing. The anointing worked when David stood in front of him. Not by telling us who the king was. The anointing in that prophet operated when the anointed one stood in front of him. There's something about being in the presence in your company that draws on the anointing in your man or woman of God to say things, to speak things, to declare things into your life, and it wouldn't happen any other way. Amen. People on Christian TV can't see your face and tell you what you need. You need a pastor that can see your face 
and be stirred by the Spirit to follow the direction of what you need. Hallelujah. So you go to the place where the person is anointed to see your face. He has an anointing to impart from the office that they stand in. The main anointing on your pastor's life is to keep your life from being scattered by feeding your faith. Look at, again, there in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. He says that we might see you so we could perfect that which is lacking in your faith. It's a divine connection between pastor and sheep. When God... In the very beginning, looked at chaos, he spoke things into order. That's how God restores order in your life. He uses the gift of the pastor to speak things into working order in your life. I'll come to church with things out of order. I'll start hearing the word and it speaks things into order. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there's a lot of out of order Christians. And they need to be with their company. So they can get the out of order sign taken off their life. And get back in contact with what God wants them to do. The challenge with being faithful to your company can be alleviated when you understand what God's doing. When uh, years ago, I talked about this. Years ago, when Pastor Michelle and I started going to Pastor Morton's church, started going to the deeper life, years ago, 20, well, it had been 25 years ago. Angela was about one. And uh, so we, we were going to that church. And of course, you know, we're front row mafia, like these girls. <laughs> Amen. And uh, that, that's where we're at. Well, I don't know that, that Pastor Morton ever did a series on marriage. But I know I learned how to be married going to church there. Because there was an anointing to set things in order. Amen. But what, what, did, it, what did it take? Going and sitting under the anointing. And never just having this mindset, well, what he's saying tonight doesn't apply to me. If it doesn't apply to you, this isn't your company. If what's being said doesn't apply to you, you're in the wrong church. And you need to go find somewhere where what's being said applies to you. Hallelujah. Because every time you come to church, if you believe your pastor has prayed and sought God and heard from God about what to say, then everything that's being said has an application in my life somewhere. Hallelujah. And if it applies to somebody else, greater just be happy for them. (laughs) Right? Because things will come, and I learned this over the years. I've told people this. 
I have saved myself many correction trips because I'll hear something that the Word of God's saying and I'll just self-correct. Okay, correct that. Well, where would I have heard it if it wasn't in my own company? You don't naturally listen to things that are going to correct you. Yeah, this is the CD I'm going to listen to because it's really going to be corrective. (laughs) Right? No. But I can sit under the anointing of the pastor and I can be corrected and not feel it in the sense of pain or discomfort. But boy, it was there was a correction there. Because I'm where God told me to be. And now it's not out of order. Now what was God doing close to 30 years ago now in helping us put things in order in our lives because he knew December 1998 that we were going to begin this church and begin pastoring here and before some of y'all were even married God already had the anointing in the channel to help you set things in order so you could be successful in what God wants you to do. Amen. There are people on the sound of my voice. You were still, man, you were still running with the devil with the blue dress on. You were, right? You were still out doing things that you were doing, whatever it was. And God was putting your pastors in place and putting a place in order and cultivating the anointing on their life because he knew that one Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever day it was, that you were going to find this church and you were going to come in with the needs you had and the anointing was already there to meet them. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Look, 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 look at Ephesians 4. Mm. I'm hurrying a little bit. Is this all right? Ephesians 4.11, he gave some apostles... Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now we teach on the word perfecting. And of course it means maturing. And it's for a reason. For the work of the ministry. But when you look at perfecting. It means right ordering. Rendering fit or arrangement. Right ordering. Rendering fit or arrangement. So he gave some apostles, prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the right ordering, the rendering fit, or the arrangement of the saints. The word the pastor preaches acts like God's word did in Genesis 1. When there's dysfunction, the word brings it out of that. Without the word, there's dysfunction. And when you come and hook up to your company, there's this right ordering, this arrangement. Glory to God. That's important. That's why you've got to understand something. And please hear me when I say this. Relationships are vital. But uh, 
Your pastor is not your buddy in the flesh. That's important. Because the scripture tells us to know know no man after the flesh. Know your pastor after the spirit. Because here's the thing. If you try to know your pastor after the flesh, your church will be a Nazareth to you. And here's what I mean by that. The familiarity will hinder you from receiving. And I'm not talking about not being familiar because there's something going on wrong in their life. But, but I've talked about this over the years. There used to be a guy coming to the church. And he would come to minister's etiquette years ago when we had it. This 10, 15 years ago. And every time I'd see him, I'd be walking through the hallway. And he'd do this. He'd give me one of these. What's up, bud? And I'd just say, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. So next week I'd see him and he'd walk by. Hey, what's up, buddy? Well, finally one day he did that. He said, hey, what's up, buddy? I said, "Uh, buddy's my dad. I'm pastor. Not being rude. Here's the thing. There's things you need in your life. And if I'm just buddy to you, then you get whatever buddy can give you. Right? I remember years ago, I went to a Promise Keepers event with a group. And uh, uh, a guy I worked with, this is back when I worked in the corporate world, uh, close to 30 years ago. And we went to Columbia. They were having a Promise Keepers event up there at uh, the Mizzou Stadium. And uh, we were there. And I was with this group of guys. And, and my church didn't go. I wasn't a pastor then. I was uh, a member of a church. My church didn't go. But this church went, and, and they invited me to go. And I saw how they interacted with their pastor. And I saw something. He had no spiritual influence over them. Because he was their buddy. He was just Pastor D. And that's how they treated him. Just one of the boys. Well, listen. There are people that I go fishing with, running with, shooting with. I mean, hanging out with. I love to hang out. But I always make this barrier. I'm not going to get familiar. You understand that? I'm never just going to be somebody's buddy. Well, I like a pastor. You know that I heard a guy say one time, I'm not ever going to have a pastor in my life that I can't just show up at his house whenever I want and just come over whenever I want. Well, that person's looking for a buddy or a pal instead of a pastor. Right? There's got to be a barrier there so that gift can flow in my life. Amen. I can go play, I can go play ball with you and not get familiar. And trash talk you, because I will, all the way up and down the court. And not get familiar. Amen. Pray for you on Sunday and knock you out. <laughs> After talking about 
mama and them all the time on the court. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. What are you doing with the ball? You know white men can't jump. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> anyway, now, now why is that important? Because they are a normal man or woman, but the anointing comes on them. And when the anointing to stand in that office comes on a man or woman, they're anything but normal. And if, right? You, you know the story. I don't want to bore you with it. But Jesus said, the Bible says that he said, Luke 4, we read it. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me and talked about all that he was anointed to do. And the people said, where did he get all this wisdom? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't his brothers here with us? And he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. Unbelief in what? Him. What caused them to have unbelief in him? Familiarity. Right? We magnify the office and the anointing on the office or of the office. When God anointed the pastor, he had the people in mind. That's why we respect the anointing. The way you respect the anointing determines how you receive. The office has the supply. And when you honor, you draw to yourself. What you honor, you draw. What you don't honor, you lose. Amen. Some pastors have a greater anointing outside the church because they've become familiar to the people. See, that's something I have to do. Because I'm a pastor under a pastor. And I've got to make sure all the time I don't let myself get familiar. Ever what I'm doing, ever how I'm helping, what I'm doing, I'm not going to get familiar. Amen. Glory to God. I will shy away from you if you call my pastor by his first name. People say, why? That shows me the way you view him. I had a guy come to the church one time, and here's, here was his statement. He walked in, and I was shaking hands with him. It was on a Wednesday night. I didn't know him, and I was out there, and I was shaking hands with him. Well, good to have you. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm so-and-so. I used to go up here to Agape, and uh, yeah, I worked with Happy and Jeannie for years. And I thought, okay, we're done. And I said, well, good to have you. Walked off. Why? You have already set the tone of dishonor. Is it more honorable for your child to call you by your first name or call you mom? What's more honorable? Right? I mean, what if Olivia came up to you and said, well, Michelle. <laughs> See that look? Oh, Michelle, you. <laughs> mama! Mama! <laughs> woo! Woo! Remember how your mom used to grab you by one arm and beat you in a circle? Woo! Woo! <laughs> oh. 
What's that got to do with honor? Nothing, but it's funny. But that, that's dishonorable. Well, Michelle, what? What'd you call me? Right? I might be Michelle to dad. I might be Michelle to my friend, but I am your mother. Right? See, that's important because that keeps a barrier up for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory. Lot prospered because of his connection to Abraham. When he left, he lost it. Saul connected to Samuel and lost it when he disconnected. Judas prospered in ministry and lost his ministry and his life when he disconnected from Jesus. Protect the relationship. Why? It's key. The enemy will try to destroy. And every other ministry office is sent to the body at large. But the pastoral office is the gift that's been given to you personally. And you protect that more than any relationship. Hallelujah. People should examine what they hear other people say by the standard of what they hear from their pastor. Now, why? Why is that? Your pastor has the highest supply. My pastor has the highest supply for me. Yeah, but I like what so-and-so said. Yeah, but you weren't called to them. This is important. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Corinthians 11. I'm almost done. First Corinthians 11. And I'll tell you when I really started, teach, started thinking about teaching on this again was when I saw people's lives getting scattered. You know, I, I've, I've had people, uh, and, and, and i got to be careful because, you know, I, I, I love people. But, you know, I've, I've had people say, well, you know, the Lord told me to leave the church or the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit dealt with me or whatever. And then you find out from them that they're not going to church anywhere. God would never tell you to leave a church and just go wonder. Ever. Ever. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And when I heard that, the Lord said, they're scattered. They're scattered. And here's the thing. You might be spiritually mature enough not to backslide, but something will be lost from your life. Just because you're still saved does not mean you're getting the flow that you should be getting. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 11 and 29. Oh, I'm in 2 Corinthians. That one wasn't going to work. <laughs> Talking about I'm burning. No, no, no. 
oh, how's that work? <laughs> mm. Verse uh, <laughs> 28 and 29. Let a man examine himself. Let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now that can be not discerning the Lord's body in the bread and the blood, but it also can mean not discerning your place in the body. Your place in the body. And he said that was a problem. So you honor the office, you see the office, you recognize your help. You know, there are ministries that the Lord told Pastor Michelle and I to listen to, to use as models for our ministry and our life. Well, why would he do that? That's where our help is. I'm not preaching to you something that I don't do. The challenge with somebody who's feeding all the time is making sure they're being fed all the time. So even as a pastor, I've got to receive my honor the office, see the office, recognize my help. Many people miss God because it looks like it's coming from a man. Jesus said, receive the one I sent, and you receive me. Is that right? And I've had people say, well, you know, I'm not going to follow any man. Then you'll never hear from God. Now, I should say that again. Let me look in the camera because <laughs> then you'll never hear from God. Right? Because Jesus said, and we'll read it in a moment, he said, he that receives me receives him that sent me. And he that receives you receives me. Is that right? Matthew 10. Oh, glory. Well, Pastor, I just need to be healed. Well, you're in the right place. Verse 40, he that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. Now he's talking there to disciples that aren't even born again yet. And he says, those that receive you, you guys that aren't even filled with the Holy Ghost, they receive me. Is that right? The way you receive determines what you receive, how you receive. How you receive determines what you receive. Verse 41, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever will give to drink one, unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple... I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So notice this phrase. Receive a prophet, a righteous man, or a disciple. This could be three people or one person. Depends on how you receive them. 
If you receive your pastor as a disciple, there's a level of blessing connected to that. If you receive them as a righteous person, there's a level of blessing. If you receive them as a prophet, there's a level of blessing. Amen. So people will say, what do I call you? What do I minister? How, how do you receive from me? Call me by whatever name I minister to you by. Amen. You know, uh, of course, my sister and brother-in-law come to church here when they're not in, in service. They'd be here tonight, but she uh, was ministering in Florida and was getting back tonight. And uh, here, here's something that's not lost on me. And it's never been lost on me. You look at what God's doing in their ministry and look at where they hooked up. And people say, well, they hooked up to their brother. No, they didn't. They hooked up to their pastor. When I get a text from my sister, it doesn't say brother. It says, good morning, pastor. Amen. When I'm visiting them and helping them, I don't view them as my kin. That's a pastor in my fellowship. Now that's important. Because the level of dishonor that, listen, those of you that are married, and you better be married because I'm going to qualify this. Because I said the person you're sleeping with tonight, you better be married, you're sleeping with anybody. I expected just a little louder amen about that. (laughs) But for husbands and wives, the person that you're sleeping with tonight, if they have an anointing on their life, they're anything but normal. And you have to relate with them more in the office they stand in than as your husband or wife. What's the most important relationship, the husband and wife or the brother and sister? The brother and sister. Why? The brother and sister is the eternal relationship. There's an anointing on my wife that I cannot receive from anybody else. And I always hold that in esteem. Above all else, this is a woman anointed by God. And that's why when you see relationships and marital relationships and they start entering into dishonor with each other, things fall apart. It's not just that they're dishonoring the the person, the man as the husband or the wife as the wife. It's because there's a dishonor of the anointing that's on that person. Every wife in here is anointed to help their husband. And when the husband treats that disparagingly and like it's nothing and just right and doesn't listen, you are not only being rude and dishonorable, you're not honoring the anointing on her life. Every husband is anointed to lead his family. And when you've got an authority usurping wife that wants to run everything and call all the shots... She's not only being unsubmissive, she is dishonoring the anointing that's on the head of her home. Well, he don't make good decisions. Well, why don't you shut up and let the anointing on his life work? (laughs) 
Amen. I've seen that. I've counseled so many marriages. And, 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 and they'll come in, and the wife will come in, just and the husband will be behind her. So Hen Peck, when he shaves, he shaves feathers. And I'm not talking about being overbearing, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an order. And that anointing flows in the order. And that husband will hear from God and make decisions when he's operating in that anointing that God called him to. And those anointings complement each other. So you don't want to be intimidated by the anointing on your spouse. What if it's greater than mine? Praise God. Look at who you're married to. Am I helping anybody? Amen. You got to honor that. And recognize that. Recognize when they're hearing from God. Recognize when they're saying something by the Spirit. Yeah, bless God, God speaks to anybody, it's going to be me. I doubt it. <laughs> Amen. Right? It's, listen, when does God speak to you the clearest? When you come and you hook up with your own company and you have no ulterior motive and you're there to hear from God. Amen. Amen. In, in the last two weeks, Pastor Michelle has said so much to me that we would just be in conversation and I just pick up on it. It's just in the spirit and I just pick up on it and say, okay, I need to start putting that in my mouth. Well, why didn't God speak to you? He did through her. I don't know why I'm on that, but your wife is not the little woman. Amen. Say, say that, say amen a little louder. Amen. Right? And here's why I'm saying this. If you have that kind of barrier up, you're going to have a hard time receiving when you come to church because you're not receiving at home. Right? Amen. And so... When you can come to understand that. Because then when that person stands behind the pulpit that you're married to or that, that, that is your husband or your wife, you're not seeing them as just an individual behind the pulpit. That's not your husband. Then that's your pastor. I'm my wife's pastor. She's not without a pastor. I'm her pastor. She's my pastor. We have a pastor. Right? So when your husband gets behind the pulpit, that's the man of God for the hour or the two hours or whatever it is that the anointing's on, right? And as his wife, as her husband, I need to have my notebook out. I need to have my Bible out, taking notes, receiving. Why? It's not my wife. It's not my husband. That's the man or the woman of God. Hallelujah. I'll close with this. Brother Hagin would always say this. How you receive equals what you receive.
How you receive equals what you receive. Scattered. Hallelujah. If you want to avoid scattering, consistently assemble yourself together. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I want to close with this, and uh, I just, I, I want to say it correctly, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and uh, a lot of things we don't know. But one thing that I do know is what God told me to consistently do. He keeps reiterating to me over and over again. He said it to me again this morning. He said to me a few days ago, he said, uh, I have a surprise. And he said it to me again today, I have a surprise. And I've had people, you know, ask me, well, what's the Lord spoke to you about everything that's going on? Nothing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. I said, as far as this election business goes, I said, I'm not hearing anything. I said, the spirit realm's quiet. I don't, I'm not hearing anything. And, and I wasn't worried about it. When you're not hearing anything, you know what that means? Keep doing what you're doing. If God wants you to do something different, he'll tell you. He told us to believe that this was the year of expectation, trans, manifestation, transformation. So that's what we're doing. Amen. And the way I receive equals how I'm, what I'm going to receive. So I just want to encourage you. The devil's not taking over. He does, he's not going to win. <laughs> I just really am overjoyed when I think about that. The Lord told me one time about making confessions. And he said to me, he said, you make these confessions, he said, but above all, be on guard against, against peace-robbing thoughts. And he said this to me. He said, because your supply comes from peace, not from worry. Hallelujah. And if you're watching a lot of stuff, and they're talking about they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and, and this, and that. Right? I was talking to somebody today, and they said, yeah, but, but, but you know, the numbers can go from here to a million just overnight. I think that's why the scripture says a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. You and I can't change what's reported. But we can change how we respond. Everyone in here has a mind of your own. You got to do what you got to do. But I'm telling you, you need to be very careful about feeding on what the world's feeding on and listening to it. Even things that are in line with your opinion, because it breeds frustration.
Yeah, but they're lying. Yeah. And we read this morning that they're going to do that more and more. If that bothers you, your head will explode. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What do liars do? And you know they lie. So if you know they're lying, let me ask you something. Why are you listening? How do you think your life would change if you just went on a 30-day information fast? Seriously. I'm not... The statistic says that I think it was 70% of people say they get their news from social media. One statistic that I heard said that, th that most people swipe or touch their phone 2,500 to 3,000 times a day. Ding. Bzzz. Right? I'm not telling you, you do what you want. But what, what has a channel into my thinking? And why would you trust places that has been proven they're trying to censor the truth and block, why would you trust them? That fights against what God's trying to do in your life. I'm at peace. And, and I'm not saying that by faith. I'm at peace. Hallelujah. Why? What did Jesus tell us? He said, therefore take no thought for tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Tomorrow is going to have its own set of challenges. Amen. Yeah, but I don't want to go through this again. Well, what if you do? I don't want, I don't want my children to have a hard time. And, and, you know, I want them to go to school. And, and I do too. And, and, and I want... I, listen... I want my life to be as normal as it can be. But what if it's not? Did the word quit working? I made the decision. I told my wife. I said, I don't care what anybody else does. Nothing's changing my life. I was talking to a person the other day. And he said, oh, are, are you still traveling back and forth? Well, why wouldn't I be? What's changed? I'm going to tell you, the only way I will not be in this pulpit is if they shut the highway down and just won't let me come. Why? Because it doesn't change what I got to do. Why aren't we rejoicing that there's about to be a delivery of millions of doses of vaccine to the seniors in our nation. Right? 
Because the enemy will get you distracted. And even the good news. Yeah, but the numbers. Yeah, the numbers are. And the numbers are this as well. That if you contract that virus, you have a 99.6% chance of recovering. Is that good news? So, So what does that mean? I don't need to be giving it undue respect and honor. I have victory over it. Why would we ever respect anything that's under the curse? Not telling you to be foolish. It's not what I'm saying. I, I don't wear a mask when I go out because I respect the virus. I wear a mask because it's what I've been asked to do. Am I helping anybody? Well, you know, Pastor, when the vaccine's available, should I take it? You be led. You be led. But don't put your faith in a vaccine. My faith is in the blood of Jesus. Is that right? Stand up, everybody. I'll keep talking. (laughs) So if you're a preacher under my care, I can't tell you, teach you how to quit. I... Like one person asked, they said, uh, they, 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 they asked Brother Hagin, they said, uh, you know, you taught him how to preach, but why didn't you, because he's known to preach a long time, said, why didn't you teach him how to stop? And Brother Hagin said, because I don't know how myself. <laughs> Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? God's good to us. God's good to us. Hallelujah. You know, I think we just need to make a commitment tonight. Because when uh, the Hebrew children stood before Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not going to take a lot of time, they made this statement. He said, now look, we're going to give you another chance. He said, we're going to play the music again. And if you bow, it's going to be good. If not, that very hour, we're going to put you in the furnace. And I like what they said. They said, King... We don't have to think about this. Right? Because our God that we serve can deliver us out of your hand. But understand this, King. Even if he don't, we're not bowing. In other words, they were saying, even if we got to go... In other words, he can deliver us out of your hand where you can't throw us in the fire. But even if you throw us in the fire, he's going to deliver us. And either way, we're not bowing. I'm not bowing to the world's agenda. I'm not bowing to what they say should cause me fear. Or the worry or the concern. Say that with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus... I'm not bowing to the world's agenda, to what they say should cause me fear and unrest. My hope, my peace, my safety is in you, and I commit to you that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah.